please stand for our scripture reading. 1st we'll be in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 7 through 11. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take the gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And then Exodus 36 will be in verses 2 through 5. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and all the others who were specifically gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. You may be seated. Thank you, Blake. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? It's good to see you. Glad you're in church together. Glad we're in church together. Uh, it's a good day, and it's not freezing cold outside, so that's good. Um, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, glad you're here today. But last week, last Sunday, was a historic day for our church. Um, it was uh, it was a day that we announced the start of. The renovation project that's happening on this building starting in April of 2024. And if you are part of our church, you have been here. uh, You've been hearing us talk about it, planning. We've been meeting, talking to contractors, banks, architects. And what I told you last week was like, there's been just a lot of work that's gone into this, but it is official. We've signed contracts and we're moving forward. And we're really excited about that, that following the Easter services at the end of March, 2024, crews will come in and they're going to start renovating all 25,000 square feet of the building, including uh, the outside. And you've been seeing some pictures floating around of the outside. We don't have renderings of the inside yet. As soon as we get those, we'll get them to you. But um, we're excited. We are really excited about what God is uh, going to do through this project. And so As we have talked about it and announced that to you, last week we started just a little two-week series. This fall we've been going through the book of Acts, and we just pressed pause on that for these two weeks to talk about what we're calling open hands. Kind of the, the name for all of this is we're calling it the open hands campaign. But really the phrase open hands is really um, a phrase for the heart that we want to have here, that we as individuals, as Christians want to have as a church that we want to have, we want to live open-handedly. We get it from Proverbs. And so 
What we've done last week and this week is we're talking about generosity, specifically generosity to your church. And I don't have time to recap it all, uh, but, but the big idea of what we said as we started this was that churches move forward at the pace of generosity. Churches move forward at the pace of generosity. And this is the way that God designed it. As far back as you want to go uh, to civilization as, as we know it, the way that God designed uh, his kingdom to work is that whatever the currency of the time is, and sometimes it was crops, and sometimes it was animals, and sometimes it was land, and other times it was coins, and, but where, wherever there are Christians throughout history, whatever the currency of the time and the place is, Christians bring that currency to their church as the way that they give to God. This is not a new idea or, or a modern idea. This is the way that God designed. And I shared with you last week as a kid how that was such a hard thing for me to grasp because the preacher would always say, you're giving it to God, but then I never knew how God got it. And several of you resonated with that. Um, and it's like, as a kid, I'm just like, how does he get it? But what you come to learn as you study and see history, Christian history, the Christian tradition is that the way God gets it is that you give it to the church. And God then uses that currency. He uses that, those resources that are given to build the church. And so that's why church moves forward at the pace of generosity. Because um, while all churches are called to and, and meant to do specific things that should be consistent no matter where you are as church, there are also unique things about every church. That's why you pick a certain church to be a part of as opposed to other churches because there are, are certain unique things about churches, vision, ideas, leaders, heart, to make a difference in a specific way in the community that it's in. And again, this is not a new idea. This is the way that it's always been. And, and so it's generosity. It's the generosity of the Christians in that particular church that determines how fast and how effectively you can do the things or we can do the things that God has inspired us to do. This is not, um, this is not rocket science. It is very understandable that if God gives a church a passion, an idea for something, it is the generosity of the people within that church that determines the pace and effectiveness of, of what can be done. And so that was what last week was all about. And so last week, I encouraged every person who's a part of our church, our church family, if you're a guest with us, then, then this is not uh, directly towards you. We're glad that you're here. But these two weeks have been kind of a family talk, inwardly focused. But I just encouraged wherever you are to climb the generosity ladder. Take a step, maybe take two steps, depending where you are, but climb the, the generosity ladder. Take a, take a step wherever you are. And and what I informed you was that most of our church, overwhelmingly most of our church, is somewhere kind of in this occasional intentional area. And only 35% of our church uh, is, is, is a tither, someone who, who tithes. And if you're not familiar with what tithing is, it's a biblical principle where uh, Christians give 10% of their income to God through their church. It's a sacrifice. It can be incredibly scary to start. But this is how Christians have given to God and built the church since the beginning. It's it's foundational to the, to the Christian faith. 
And so if churches move forward at the pace of generosity, then it would be fair to say that currently, as great as our church is, and it is great, and by the way, it is above average, like we always like to say, it's not a competition, but if it was, we'd be winning. Yes. <laughs> We're just here to have fun. Yes. Um, the national average is 5% of Christians tithe, 10 to 25% of Christians in churches tithe. Our church is at 35%. 35% of people have climbed the ladder to this spot. And as great as Hope City is and as above average as that is, that also means that, that our church is only able to move and is as effective as 35% of what it could be. And so what we said last week is that we want you to want to give and to truly believe that it's up to you, that God's not guilting you, we're not guilting you. This is not intended to apply pressure, it's intended to inform and to invite. God has all the money. It's all God's money, he has all of it. He can disperse it as he will, and if he wanted to, he could just leave bags of money in the front of the front door on Saturday night that we could pick up on Sunday morning, and that would be the way that we do it. But that's never been the way that God has done it. The way that God has done it is through Christians giving to their church. And so this week, we're going to specifically talk about generosity towards the building project um, that the church is taking on. And so I want to just preface this, and this always is the case, and I'm not apologizing because I'm not ashamed, but I am aware that there are people here today, this is your very first time ever being here. Some of the wives finally got their husbands to come today. Some of the girlfriends finally got their boyfriend to come today. And the pastor's standing up here talking about money and building campaigns, and I'm very aware of that. And so if you are here today and you're a guest and this is your first time or your second time, we love you. I'm actually glad you're here because you, you get to hear our heart about this and what we believe about this. But I'm also begging you to come back next week because we'll be back to quote unquote normal uh, sermons and, and, and service, all right? This is very much me talking to our church family. And so you're like the friend from school that gets to come over for dinner at the house, okay? And we're a good family, and so you can come over as much as you want, but we're going to talk about our day today at the family dinner, okay? That's kind of what's happening uh, these two weeks. And so we're glad that you're here. I'm not going to preface anything else that I say today, but I just want to say to all the guests that are here and to the people who are like, oh, I forgot, and I finally got them to come, who knows what God may do today, okay? So um, what, what we're going to do for the time that we have today is I'm going to tell you how we got to this moment right now, how we got here, where we're going, and then I'm going to very plainly and honestly tell you what, what we need. And as I am talking, my prayer all this week and my hope is that you will not feel guilt, pressure, shame, or any of those things. What I hope that you will feel is an invitation from God, an inspiration from the Holy Spirit to take a step, to climb the ladder, okay? So let me tell you a little bit about how we got here. Um, a lot of you know parts of the story. Maybe you don't know the entire story, but I, my family uh, and I have been the pastors of Hope City Church for 15 years in some different formats uh, during that time. But the church goes back a hundred years. This, this decade, we're actually celebrating a hundred years 
um, as a church serving South Louisville. And, and so for many of those years, we met over at 3rd Street Road, uh, 7515 3rd Street Road. And uh, that, that building over there was built in 1974. And so the church was over there. When we became the pastors, that's where we became the pastors at. Many of you were a part of our church there at Hope City Church um, at 3rd Street Road. And so as we began to lead there, uh, a few of you were there at that time, um, but we were trying to reach people, we were trying to reach the community, and we were using all of the means that God had given us. But one of the barriers to what we were trying to do um, was the building that we had. Uh, because if you've ever walked into a bowling alley, I don't know if you go there anymore, but if you've ever walked into a bowling alley in, you know, 2023, and they haven't updated it to like digital scoring, you know what I mean? It's still pencil and paper. I don't even know if anybody does that anymore. But, or like you just walk in, and it's like they haven't updated this place in 50 years. That's kind of what we were dealing with at Third Street Road. We had floral red carpet that was just banging, you know, from like 1970 and chandeliers and wood pews. And uh, we realized that no matter kind of what we were saying and what we were doing as people were coming into our building, it was a, it was a barrier to try to convince people. Like, we promise, like, we're not a funeral home. Like, we're a church. Come on, you'll, you know, you can come in here. And so um, we had a lady in our church uh, that was acquainted with our church who passed away. And we were very surprised. We got a call one day from their, the person managing their estate that said she wanted to give $25,000 to the church, which might as well have been $25 because we didn't have any money. And we, didn't, we weren't aware of any, I mean, like we didn't, it, was, it was blindsided in the best way possible. And so we went to the church and told them what had happened and tried to raise a little bit more money. And we did. We raised about $75,000 and we renovated that building. And any of you who uh, we didn't renovate all of it, but we just updated it. And any of you who have been a part, have been to that building, what you saw there was the changes that were made 15, 16 years ago with the purple carpet and the chairs and, and things like that. And what happened when we made those changes was that we realized that, that a building really does play a part in the impression that people have about who you are. And that they kind of draw conclusions about you long before you ever stand up and sing or speak or moms dropping off their kids. We realized that we really kind of turned a corner as a church there because young families started coming. A lot of you started coming. And we were able to say, hey, um, this is kind of an impression of, of who we are, right? So fast forward 10 years and we had a new problem with our building. And it wasn't the carpet or it wasn't the chandeliers. It was its size, we had outgrown the building. You know, we'd have 130 to 150 seats in the auditorium, and we were having three services. There was a season where we did a Thursday night service. There was a season where we did a Saturday night service. There was a season where we launched a church in Shepherdsville, just trying anything and everything that we could, because as people were coming in, it was chaotic. The kids' classrooms were chaotic. Uh, the, the hallways, the lobby, the, it was crazy. And we knew we needed to do something, and we began to look to try to figure it out. And we actually got up in front of the church, and we said, hey, in classic Hope City fashion, we don't know where we're going, we don't know when it's going to happen, and we don't know how much it's going to cost, but we need you to start giving and just trust us. And you did. And uh, you gave to some several different things, but you gave also to the future expansion and, 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 and moving of Hope City Church. And right as that happened, the pandemic hit. 
And so we actually were not able to come back and celebrate in a great way together what had happened through, at that time, what we were calling the One More Matters campaign. And not only did the pandemic kind of stop that process of celebration, but it also um, kind of halted our process of looking for land and looking for buildings and all those different things. Because if you remember those first like two, three months of the pandemic, like we didn't know what the future held and we didn't know if we would even be getting back together in church buildings. Or we, you know, we didn't know what was going on. And, uh, and so we, that was back in 2017, 18, when we started having those conversations. And then obviously the pandemic hit at the end of that campaign. But as the pandemic, you know, kind of moved on, we began again to look for places to go. And we, man, we, myself and our finance team and different ones, we got in cars and drove to different places and looked and internet. And I mean, we tried everything. We, we wanted to stay in this area. This, we wanted to keep serving, you know, a hundred more years in South Louisville, God willing. And, and everywhere we went, shut door. Like, no, it was like, we couldn't afford it or it wasn't available or, it just didn't feel right. I mean, it was about five years, honestly, of just real disappointment and frustration on my, for me because we, we felt like that God wanted us to, to do that, but we just couldn't, nothing, nothing uh, you know, presented itself. And if you've ever had that type of experience with God, maybe you're looking for a job or you're looking for a spouse or you're trying to have a child or anything that like you have so much hope and dream in it and it's not happening, you know the real kind of angst and anger you can have towards God for why something that seems to be so right and so good isn't happening. And that was definitely what I was feeling. And, uh, and so we were really kind of at a dead end. We didn't really know what to do. Um, unless you're an Amazon warehouse, it just seemed like there was nowhere to go. And so um, my wife and I moved homes and were moved back over in this area on Arnoldtown Road. And we would drive back and forth past this building that at the time was Harvest Church of God. And I just passed it every day. And some days I didn't see many cars in the parking lot and I wasn't sure what was going on. And I knew the pandemic had been rough on many, many churches. And so I picked up the phone and reached out to some some people uh, who are part of our denomination and things like that and said, hey, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, I don't, you know, maybe everything's fine, but would there be any possibility of maybe, you know, talking about if they would even be interested in kind of merging our churches? And so we started that process back in those meetings were kind of actually happening like early 2022 and, and began to talk about that. And it took much, much longer than we thought that it would take and, and had some curves in there and things like that. But January 28th of this year, 2023, that officially happened. And, and Hope City Church and Harvest Church of God became one church. And you've heard me say this before, but I genuinely mean it that, you know, we thought that the best thing to come out of the merger was going to be getting this building, but we were wrong. That was not the best thing to come out of the merger. The best thing to come out of the merger are the families that were a part of Harvest that are now a part of our church, 20 or 30 families that are um, just a gift to me and to this church, and it's just been unbelievable. And so to all of you who, have, who came to Hope City through the Harvest merger, we, we want you to know that, we're, like, what a blessing, what a gift, what a miracle from God to bring you into our church family that we get to do this together. And so January 28th, we got the keys to this building that we're sitting in now. 
We went from 14,000 square feet to 25,000 square feet. We went from 130, 40 chairs to 350 or so spots. It was an upgrade in every way. Uh, the first thing I did is I walked into the kids' hallway and I stuck out both arms and I couldn't touch either wall and I thought, it's a miracle. <laughs> we, we, can, we have a hallway. This is unbelievable. Thank you, Jesus. This is the promised land, you know? And, um, and so we had our first service on February the 12th. So in those two weeks, our team jumped in and uh, so many of you, 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 volunteers would be up here at night ripping up carpet. I remember one night I walked up here and, and Mark McAllister and his son were just going to town on carpet upstairs. I mean, they were just, it was impressive what they were doing up there. And, and people were painting walls and, and, and doing everything that they could so that we would be able to have church on February the 12th. And we did. We spent about $35,000 on carpet squares and paints and all, and all, just to be able to have church in here. And we moved in here, and we had our very first service as a church on February 12th, 2023, together, congregations together in this building. And we knew that when we moved in, we knew that when that we, we took possession of the building, that there were going to be real changes and real renovations that needed to happen but at the same time, whatever the, the challenges were, we didn't care. We felt like we were walking into the promised land. You know, the roof is leaking. It's like, who cares? We'll figure it out, you know? And uh, the carpet and the, and the, and the wall, there's some rooms and uh, diff, roof and just some different things, siding and HVAC. And we were just like, you know what? Who cares? Like, th- we, what a miracle from God. And that really was how we, how we felt, and that is how we feel, that we are sitting at this moment in a miracle from God. We believe that. We believe that. And you know, um, what I've learned about God is that miracles usually don't show up finished. They usually show up with something that you can work with. And God gives you the opportunity to grow with that miracle and to work, work on that. And that's definitely what he did um, with this building. And so from week one that we were in this building, we started meeting with companies and contractors, and you've heard me talk about some of those things. But we knew that there were a few things. There's a lot of things we wanted to do, but there were a few things we had to do. You know, we had to get the building up to code with bathrooms and sprinklers and elevator for handicap accessibility. And uh, we had to re- we need to rearrange the kids' hallway. We definitely need a new roof. We need new siding. Uh, we, we need to make changes to this room. We need to get, have some chairs in here. And, and I mean, just all kinds of things that we knew um, that we, we needed to do. And so that's what we've been working on to try to figure out not only what that costs, but what is um, the, the best thing that we should do. And throughout this entire process, what I want to make sure that you know from me, and if you've been around here long at all, like I'm just going to have to trust that you trust me, that, that as we have worked through this, the thing that has been kind of staying fresh on my mind is the fact that what we're not wanting to do is just improve a building. That's not what we want to do. Because the reality is we could just keep having church and not improve anything and, you know, just roll and, and, and it is what it is. We're not just trying to improve a building. What we're trying to do is we have been prayerfully saying to God, God, will you help us to have an asset in the kingdom of God? We want to be a landmark. We, we want to be a place that people know who we are and where we are and that we are here for them. Now, right now, we are a landmark. We're the church that looks like a spaceship with the bright blue roof. 
That's what we are at this moment. People know where we are. Where do you go? You know that blue roof? That's us. Yeah, got it. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's a landmark, I guess. That's not the landmark we want to be necessarily, right? But we want to be a place for South Louisville and this community and this city, for the schools and for the the, the neighborhoods and the places around here. What we've been prayerfully trying to, to say to God to help us to do is, God, will you help us to figure out what we need to do? So I'm not saying that this building will be here 100 years from now, but I am saying, God, what do we need to do in order to be here and establish ourselves and have a place where we can continue this legacy in helping people and lives and families and cities for the next 100 years? Help us to, help us to do that. And so... Um, that has been what our team has been tirelessly working on. Our finance team, um, and specifically Katie, our executive pastor, she is heading up this project as her role as the XP and has just done an amazing job and so gifted in this area. Um, and we're blessed to have her to do that. And so she has been spending the last several months along with her team to get us ready for this moment today where I would stand up here and be able to say with confidence and integrity what it is that we need um, as a church? What is it that it will take in order for us to have an asset? What is it, for, what is it gonna take for us to have a, a place, a landmark, so that people know Hope City Church is here and would want to, to be a part of it? And so when you came in today, you were given a brochure. And if you would just take that out, I wanna just show you something and then I'm gonna tell you a little something about our scriptures today and we're gonna pray together. You can find some information in there, and there's some, some, a, a picture of, of the project. But specifically, I want to point out two things to you. The first one is on the middle page of that brochure. The total cost of what we're talking about doing is $3 million. And I don't know how you hear that number. Some of you have made me think, like, that's all? You're used to dealing with big numbers. Others of you think, oh, my gosh, that's so much money. Um, God has all the money. So we're not intimidated by that number. Uh, the number could have been much higher, but we felt like that we um, have made the choices that we need to make. And so you remember those five years of frustration that I was telling you about, about closed doors, closed doors, closed doors? Well, the way God seems to always work is when he's frustrating you, he's setting you up for something better for you than you could have done for yourself. That's the way God always works. And so in hindsight, what we can see is God's faithfulness and love for us to give us a five-year runway to get ready for today a five-year runway to save money, and that's what we've done. And so currently at this moment, our church has $1.3 million in cash and assets that we can allocate towards this project. So it's a $3 million project, but we already have $1.3 million because of previous giving by you, because of the sale of our old property, and because of just the generosity. And I'll explain one more element of that in just a second. And so we're at $1.3 million. Our finance team has done the math a hundred different ways, and we feel incredibly confident that we can borrow a million dollars and not disrupt the health and the flow of our church. And the reason we feel that way is because 18 or 24 months ago, knowing this was coming, we began paying ourselves. Our church is debt-free. It's been debt-free for 15 years. We inherited a building that was debt-free. We began paying ourselves a mortgage payment 24 months ago or somewhere around that time to be able to borrow a million dollars to prove to ourselves that, to ourselves that we're capable of doing that. And I know some of you, as I say that, you, you cringe a little bit because you hate debt. We don't like debt either. Um, 
And I actually was talking to somebody about this uh, project, and they said to me, they said, like, oh, man, stop right there. Like, is there any way that we could not borrow money? I said, you know what? There is a way. I'm glad you brought that up. The way that we could not borrow a million dollars would be if someone gave a million dollars. But barring that, we will borrow a million dollars. Just let the Lord speak to you, whatever. Okay, so (laughs) that means that 1.3 million in cash that we have now, a million that we are prepared to borrow, we need to raise $700,000. That is the need that we have as a church at this moment is $700,000. You say, well, how are we going to get $700,000? Well, if you look over the next page of the brochure, there's a heading that says, what will it take? There is a giving chart on that page. And again, Katie and her team have set us up to succeed in every way possible. And you can see there that if the number of givers at each row give the amount listed in the middle, you see the total there, that adds up to $700,000. Now, let me tell you what's so amazing about Hope City Church. This has always been the case, but uh, it's, it's blown me away even this morning. I got emotional this morning talking to some people on the phone that we met with some people before this morning because we wanted to get some momentum and be able to give you confidence based on what you would like to do. And just 15 families in our church so far, just 15, just 15 families in our church so far have already pledged $482,400 of the $700,000. That's a good time to clap right there. And I don't know how familiar you are with fundraising, but that's insane, okay? Uh, Because God is good and people are faithful. And so we have already, through 15 families, had $482,400 pledged towards the $700,000, okay? And so this is the need. This is where we are um, and what we need as a church family. And... um, When you leave today, and we'll talk about this more in just a second, but when you leave today, you're going to get a card that looks like this, has the chart on one side, and it has uh, instructions on the other side, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before I do, just for the last few moments, I want to just emphasize something that I think I have said over the years here at Hope City, and I think there's been a track record of us saying this and modeling this. But in the verses that Blake read for us today in 2 Corinthians, we see the model of generosity that God wants each of us to live. We could call it God's plan for giving, if you wanted a little slogan to slap on it. The verses we read in 2 Corinthians shows us God's plan for giving. Now, there was, God had a plan in the Old Testament, and that's not our plan. That's not our plan anymore, okay? But God also had a plan in the New Testament for generosity and forgiving, specifically for Christians. Not just talking about helping a homeless person or a family in need, but specifically talking about the role or the decision that Christians make to be generous to God through the church and to other Christians. And we're not going to go back and read it all again, but if I had to summarize God's plan for generosity I would say it like this. God wants you to know today that as I share all of this and as you decide the steps that you need to climb on the ladder, he doesn't want you to be talked into it. That's not God's plan for giving. 
He doesn't want you to feel guilty about it. That's not God's plan for giving. And he doesn't want you to be mad about it. That's not God's plan for giving. God's plan for giving involves four things. You ready? I'm going to give them to you and they're going to be up on the screen. This is what 2 Corinthians and many, many other verses in the New Testament teach us. The way that God wants you to give to something like the Open Hands campaign and to just your church in general is he wants you to pray about it. He wants you to make a decision. He wants you to be happy about your decision and he wants you to stick to it. That's it. That's God's plan for generosity and giving after Jesus Christ. That was not the plan in the Old Testament. You didn't get to pray about it. He just told you. And you get to decide it was a law. And it didn't matter whether you wanted to do it or not. And if you didn't stick to it, you would die. That was the Old Testament. Thank God that's not the plan anymore. But because of grace and because of Jesus Christ, God says, more important than what you give is how badly you want to give how grace has impacted your life. And so what God is asking all of us to do today, whether our church is building a building or whether they're not, is anytime we're thinking about giving, he wants us to pray about it. He wants us to make a decision. He wants us to be happy about that decision. And he wants us to stick to it. That's what we learn in the New Testament. Pray about it, make a decision, be happy about it, Stick to it. That's why I'm never going to tell you what to do. I'm never going to give you an amount that you should give. I'm never going to force you into any kind of box or to check any type of form because I want you to pray about it. And I am of the conviction that if you will pray about it, God will tell you better than me what it is that you should do so that you have peace about it. And for those of you who are making decisions together in your family as couples, I believe that the most important reason you pray about it is so that both of you, before you ever talk about it, once you start talking about it, realize that you're on the same page. So you pray about it, you make a decision, you're happy about it, and you stick to it. But the reason that I asked Blake to read the Exodus story to us is because if I'm being honest with you, as a pastor, I fantasize about these verses in Exodus chapter 36. Because in this story, Moses, they're trying to build a temple for God. And the people bring so much, so many gifts to build this building that the workers come to Moses and say, you have to go tell the people to stop giving. It's too much. And every time I read that story, I just fantasize as a pastor, dream as a pastor about the ability to stand up here and say, guys, listen, you got to stop. You got to stop. We can't, we can't take any more. It's too much. You're, you're, it's unhealthy. You got to stop. And then when, when you go back to like put your money in the boxes, like we've got a little like a electrical signal on it, just zaps your hand so you can't put it in there because we can't take any more giving and generosity and gifts. That's actually what happened in Exodus chapter 36. They come to Moses and they say, you got to tell them to stop. And Moses stands up. I don't think we read it. It's in verse six or seven. Moses says to the people, stop giving. We have more than enough. More than enough. Can you imagine being a part of a church where the pastor says, guys, you got to stop giving. We have more than enough. What a dream. Can you imagine that? And so it's never about equal giving. Please hear that. 
It's never about equal giving. It's always about equal sacrifice. And our prayer and what we're wanting you to do is we're wanting everybody to do something. We want everyone to participate so that when you walk back into this building, when it's finished, you'll know that you are a part of it. It's not equal amounts. It's equal amounts of sacrifice, okay? And so one more time, we're gonna put that giving chart back up on the screen, and then you also have the brochure, and as you leave today, you're going to get this card. Now, at the very end of this message, I've gotta get super technical, and I want to actually walk you through this card because I've had many, many people say that it was a little bit confusing, and I, confusing is like one of my worst fears. So we don't wanna be confusing, okay? We want to be clear. And so if you'll throw up that first slide, the, the card, you can't probably see what I'm holding up in my hand, but the card looks like this, okay? And the biggest box there at the, with the blue at the top says, I, we are committed to give. This is the box. Whenever you decide what you're wanting to do, which I totally forgot to say this, so let's pause for a second. December the 3rd, December the 3rd is going to be our open hands offering day. And December the 3rd is when you'll bring back this card if you are participating. You'll bring back this card along with any offerings or gifts that you want to do. And then you're making a commitment to, for the next 24 months, this two-year commitment. So back to the card, all right? So at the very top uh, left-hand corner, go to the next slide there for me, that one right there. All right, that number, the number that's written in that box is the number that goes towards the 700,000. This is your pledge over and above. This is your commitment over and above. So let's just say... And I really wrestled with like what numbers to use because I don't want to intimidate anybody. But let's just say that somebody said, I'm going to make a $5,000 pledge or commitment to over the next 24 months, I'm going to give $5,000. Some of you can give more than that, equal sacrifice. Some of you just stopped breathing when I put 5,000 up on the screen. That's not for you, but we're just going to use some nice round numbers for math, okay? So that is the number that goes. So when I said 484, 40, 42, whatever I said, 42 and 400, that, that's added up from that box. Okay, go to the next slide for me. So then over on the right-hand side is what you already give to the church in a year, wherever you are on the, the generosity ladder. And so for, uh, as an example of this one, let's just say for nice round numbers sake, let's say that someone gave $500 a month in a year, that would be a total of $6,000. Now, why do we wanna know that? We want to know that. Well, first of all, we want you to know that because we don't know if you know that. But second of all, we, we want to emphasize that because this is the money that's already coming in that allows us to operate our church. This is what runs the budget. So if everybody said, we're just going to give all the money we normally give to the building, we would have a renovated building, but we would have no church. We would have no uh, operations or anything like that. So our current budget is about $700,000 a year to operate the church. And so that runs off of the giving that comes in normally. So 6,000 would be $500 a month, just using round numbers. And it is a 24 month campaign. So we're going to times that by two, go to the next slide for me. And that would mean $12,000. So this is not extra. This is just what you already give. You say, yeah, I already give $6,000 because where I'm, I'm a tither or I'm intentional. So I already give. And so it's a 24 month campaign. So that'd be 12,000. Now, next slide, I'm going to bring my 5,000 down on my 24-month pledge, because I've already said I want to do 5,000, so then I would write in 5,000 right there. Everybody's still with me, all right? I feel like Vanna White up here. And, uh, and then the last box, I'm just going to total that up. So I already, 
If I wasn't pledging anything, I'm already giving $12,000 to the church over 24 months. But I've committed to give $5,000, so my total 24-month generosity to the church would be $17,000. You would take that, and then you would bring that with you on December the 3rd to our open hands offering. And at that time, you may want to go ahead and give some money, or maybe you don't have any money to give, but you're, you're going to put that card, at least, the pledge card, in there. And some of you have other means to give besides cash. You have ways that you are creatively even thinking right now. We could do this. We could sell this. We could trade that in. We could do whatever. And you, I want you to pray about it, make a decision, feel good about it, and stick to it. And throughout this entire process, I have never been nervous about the money. Because not only is God faithful, but I've been here long enough to know that you are faithful too. And so um, today has been a day for me to just let you know the need. I want you to know the need. I want you to know the details. If you have more questions, which you probably do, I'd love to talk with you. Pastor Katie would love to talk with you. We try to be an open book around here. And so if you have any questions about our church, whether it's financial or whether it's anything else, philosophical, we'd love to talk to you about those things. If you'd like a tour of the building so that you can see like what changes are going to be made, where every square inch of this building I mean, except maybe a corner here or there. Every square inch of this building is getting renovated. And so if you have interest in that, we'd love to give you a tour and let you know about that as well, okay? Now, I'm gonna pray. And I thought a lot about, like, how do you end this message? Because we're gonna go to communion, which is what we do every week, and we're going to prayer. And I thought, you know, I, I kind of hear these voices in my head, like, well, today wasn't very spiritual. That's what I kept telling myself. Well, you know, you're just giving information today. You're giving data. You're giving numbers today. You're just telling a story. Today's not very spiritual. But I really felt convicted about that this weekend because what we're doing today is incredibly spiritual. It's incredibly spiritual. We're trying to build God's church. We're trying to build God's kingdom. And I think sometimes spirituality can get so ethereal or mystical that it never has any practical handlebars. And what we're saying today is, God, we believe in you. We believe in your church. We believe you've called us here. And so my act of obedience and my act of faithfulness is going to be to get involved. And that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus said, I'll get involved. I'll get involved. I will set aside my wealth and my prestige and I'm rich, but I'll come and be poor, and I'll come and be poor so that you can be rich. Jesus said, I'll get involved. And so as we come today and we take the bread and the juice and we dip it in there and we take it, we can at least just remember that Jesus decided to get involved, to come and to, be, to meet a need for us because that's what generosity always does. Generosity always meets a need. So I'm gonna pray. We'll have the opportunity to take communion. Our prayer team will come forward. We're gonna continue to worship together uh, in our service today. Let's pray.